you know, whole comedians have made their life, get their, their life blood out of uh, those kind of moments with Tim Hawkins. Don't you love Tim Hawkins, by the way? Clean comic, Christian comic, that's right, doing good stuff for God and uh, giving a gospel message every time he does. Guys like that who just make whole, whole comedy shows out of, out of these moments where we state the obvious. The ob- that's what I want to talk to you today. I want to talk to you about the, our abilities to state the obvious. Now, we have been in a series for the last uh, three weeks. This, I told you that from the very beginning, we're going to kind of stay macro, and then we're going to get micro, okay? So the further we go in this series, we're going to be start talking about some real issues. And I told you from the very beginning, I kind of have a, a, a four-point goal. I want to hold the newspaper in one hand. I want to talk about real issues that are facing America. And I want to hold the Bible in the other. And I want to talk about some scriptures and how they interact. And we're going to be uh, doing that even stronger in these last few weeks. Um, I also told you I, I wanted us to, um, I, wanted, I wanted to hopefully equip you. Some folks said, hey, can you help us know how to talk to our kids about the world we're living in, about government, about, about family members, about things that are going on in our world. And so I'm hoping to be able, to, during this series, to equip you. And then lastly, we are spending every Sunday at the very close of our worship service praying for America. And we're going to do that today. Now, at the end of this service today, we have a very special day because it's Holy Communion. And it's always a special time for us to have um, a meeting of God's people around the, the elements of bread and juice to remind us of the body and the blood of Christ. But even after we do that, uh, and we have that moment where Christ ministers to us, I'm going to invite you to just kind of crowd in around the altar and pray around the altar and spend some time, and I'll direct you on how to do that later on. And I told you I'm reading a book right now. The book is called The Politically Incorrect Jesus. And I know several of you have actually bought this book, and you've been reading it with me, and that's really cool. And on Wednesday nights, we've been actually having this thing called Purposely Plugged In, and we're taking the conversation even deeper, which sometimes just gets really, uh, man, it, it, it can mean we're wrestling with some big stuff that is facing America right now. But one of the things this author talks about is the political, politically correct concept of, of um, tolerance. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, this understanding of what tolerance really is all about and why it's being pushed so hard. And if you have your outline in front of you, hopefully you have your Bible, hopefully you have an outline or maybe a pen sitting in front of you, um, I, wanna, I want you to just go ahead and kind of fill in that first blank on your outline there, and that is this, the politically correct thought that we have all around us today, right now, dealing with tolerance, simply says this, don't state the obvious, because if you state the obvious, it might offend someone or it might rub them the wrong way. And, and we've been talking on Wednesday nights about how this is, this is such a real deal. I mean, we feel it in our workplaces. We feel it when we're talking with our next-door neighbor when an issue comes up. It's a hot issue. And we certainly have, what, in our mind, what we think is truth based upon biblical concepts. And yet, sometimes we, because this has been promoted so much, we don't feel like we can state that which is the most obvious, Right? I mean, the sky is blue. No, it's green, right? We feel like we're going to offend somebody if we, if we make a statement of what truth is all about. And, and this author is talking about how that really um, promotes intellectual dishonesty. And I want to push that with you. I want to talk about that this morning. And I, hope, I hopefully will be able, be able to give you a license and a freedom to kind of step out of some of that. But, but let me pause for a minute and just tell you, aren't you glad... I was thinking about this week. I am so glad that when Jesus came, he wasn't following that rule. He wasn't going around saying, I I can't state the obvious because somebody might get their feelings hurt, you know. I mean, it just grabbed me this week. I thought, have you ever thought about this before? 
the God of the universe, the one who knows all, the one who, who knows not only the beginning but the very end, who knows all the outcomes and all, the, I mean, he knows everything. He took on human form. And, and, and here's the challenge that he had. He was going to show us the kingdom of God, but he had to do it through a very small thing called language. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. Language. Now, he, did, he, did, he didn't speak English like we do. He spoke uh, Aramaic and Greek. That's what he spoke. But somebody once described it for, for me like, um, like the, the, the God of the cosmos trying to squeeze all of the truth and all of the wisdom of all the ages through a little toothpaste opening called language. And that's how he was going to show us the kingdom of God. And I'm so glad for Jesus... Jesus, when he was trying to share the, the truth of the kingdom, these cosmic understandings of what God the Father had done and was doing and his will and his plan, when he was sharing it, he didn't hold back and think to himself, okay, I hope they can handle this. Or I hope they're not offended. He shared it because it was the truth. He said, the Father has revealed it to me and I am revealing it to you. He didn't hold it back. As a matter of fact, Jesus said it this way. I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus, look at that real quickly. He doesn't say, I am a way, does he? No. I am not a truth. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And so what Jesus was, he was challenged to do was share with us the truth, not in, in, in a way that we could understand it, but not, he was not afraid of offending folks. We're going to read some scriptures that kind of prove that out this morning. But, but just press this in with me for a minute. Let's go back to that big politically correct thought for a minute. This fear that if we state the obvious, we'll rub somebody the wrong way or that we will offend them. Do you remember back when the Twin Towers fell, right? All of us remember that. Do you remember how sobering it was, how, how there was kind of a fear that swept through America? And do you remember what we began to do? We began to um, look at our airport screenings and we began to look for certain people at our screenings, right? You remember this? And if they were from the Middle East, or if they looked like they were from a Muslim background, we started screening those people uh, just to make sure our airports were safe. Now, that made all the sense in the world. That would seem like the most obvious thing, because why? Because the folks who actually flew the planes into the building all came from one part of the world, and they all had a certain ideology, right? But what happened? Well, you know, it hit the media that we, this, there was a big outcry, right? And the big outcry was that now we're, we're doing this thing called racial profiling. We're looking for the Muslims and we're looking for those who are Islamic. And for you and me, that made all the sense in the world that we were doing that, right? That seemed like the most obvious of all things because not only did the, the people who flew the planes in the building, were they of a certain persuasion and a certain racial um, bent, but the folks who took credit for it, even across the world, were of the same, some, of the same kind. And they were, they were Muslim as well. But what happened? At political pressure? Political pressure? Oh, we can't stereotype. Now, to you and me, this would make the most sense. This is the most obvious thing. If we're going to keep America safe, this is absolutely what we need to do right now. But then political thought comes along and says, let's don't do the obvious. We might offend somebody if we racially profile them. How about, how about this? Uh, maybe, maybe I'm just thinking about another, another kind of moment that I've felt this way before. If you have a different view, biblically, and in your worldview, of, of the, uh, the sexuality push that's happening in the 
LGBT, you know, the lesbian, lesbian, gay, bi, trans, and then there's some more letters now that they keep going. Have you noticed? There actually are more letters these days. I've noticed that if, if I have a different view, and I, maybe you've noticed this as well, that it's, it's almost like if I share that different view, it's almost like that's a hate crime or something. It's almost like I can't state what I think is the obvious, and I do have a bit different view than that. I mean, I, I look at it and I think to myself, my goodness, the, the equipment doesn't work, you know? I mean, uh, and procreation happens a certain way, and I look at the animal world out there, and, and by the way, the Bible says this, if I share what I think is the obvious, it's almost like I started an Al-Qaeda home group in my house, you know what I mean? And, and it's like I'm, I'm, a, I'm an evil person. So what I want to tell you guys, and we're going to look at it this morning, is Jesus, Jesus told the truth. Now, we're going to talk about how you do that in love. But Jesus told the truth, and he didn't shy away from truth in some kind of understanding of what tolerance was all about. And you know how tolerance works, right? People want you to be tolerant with them, but they don't necessarily want to be tolerant back with you. And so there's, across our American culture right now, if we're just very honest, there, there, is, a, there is a kind of thought that we have to stay away from offending somebody regardless of what might be blatantly obvious or true. One of the healthy things for me in this book that I've been reading is that this is a very smart guy. The guy who wrote this book is actually one of the guys who is behind some of those great Christian movies that have been hitting our theaters, like Facing the Giants and Courageous, and he's a big media guy. And he says, you want to talk about the, the pressure to not talk about the obvious? Get in the media world. Get in the entertainment industry that I'm in. And he said, it's filled with people who don't want you to talk about what you think is truth. And there's a lot of pressure to just be quiet. And here's what he said I thought was so smart. He said, if you think about it, if we are quiet and we don't share, if we, if we won't state what we think is biblically and in our own understanding intellectually honest and obvious, if we don't do that, then what we're actually doing is we're being intellectually dishonest. I'll say it differently. He says it this way. If you know the truth and you don't share the truth, then you're really being dishonest with the people that you're, that you're being quiet around or that you're not sharing with. Somebody said to me this way one time, if you had the cure to cancer, but you wouldn't tell anybody, you'd be one of the most evil people on the planet. Well, I think the truth of it is that he's onto something there. Whenever there's that pressure in your workplace, you know what? I know a lot of you guys, you guys work in, in very, uh, very, very secular places that have a lot of political pressure on you to not speak certain ways, to not talk about what you believe is truth, to not even state the obvious. Whenever we are quiet in that place, whenever we don't state the obvious, we are really being dis, uh, uh, intellectually dishonest by not stating what we know is the truth. You know, I did my grad program at Emory University. I know all about um, academia and inclusion and tolerance. I told you guys before, even before going to Emory University, I had to sign a statement of inclusion and tolerance. I know all about that. A little bit older than I am now, back in those days when I did my grad program, I realize, and looking at the American landscape, I realize where this thing called tolerance is leading us. 
This thing called tolerance is leading us off a cliff in some big ways. And so today I just want to talk about with you, if that's okay, I'm going to talk about some things that I think that when we look across the American landscape, these things should be blatantly obvious to us. And it ought to be okay in our families, how about this one, and in our church, and in our, in our workplaces, and in our neighborhoods, to have a disagreement that we disagree about something. By the way, if you have a disagreement, it's not a hate crime. Is that all right? That should be obvious, right? It just means that you think one way, and I think another way. The other the, the Wednesday night, we had a great time here on Wednesday night. And are purposely plugged in. I had a great time. I hope other people had a great time. But you know what? We were wrestling with tough issues. We read out of Romans 13, by the way, a challenging chapter in the Bible. We were reading out of Romans 13. And, and I told some folks, man, we were wrestling. And we were, we were disagreeing on some different ones. I said, you know what? This is a good thing. And it's too bad right now this is hap- isn't happening more across America. We're just kind of letting people just go their own way and, and doing their own thing and not stating what we believe is the truth, not being will- willing to argue our own point. So what are the obvious things, Stephen? Man, as I was just preparing uh, uh, this, this weekend's message, I was thinking about some things that are just obvious, but why do we have such a hard time talking about them? And even bigger than that, why are we not making decisions about these things? Because they're, they're real issues that we must face. I, How about this one? Are you here with me? Our national debt. Did you know we were in debt? We we have a national debt, and it is climbing, and it is increasing at an astronomical rate. And our Congress continues to, to raise the debt limit ceiling, and we are going further and further in debt. Now, you and I know the obvious. We know in our homes that we can only spend so much, and that, is, that, that all also depends on how much we take in. And we don't need to spend more than we take in. But here's, what, here's the issues that are facing us right now, and it just seems like when people even try to talk about this, that they're being pushed down, they're being told you can't be elected because you are talking about it. Guys, the national debt that we have that continues to increase is going to, it's going to break Social Security. We already know that. And that's just truth. And that's obvious. It's obvious. My entire life, I am not banking on Social Security. And some of you, that's your livelihood right now. But the obvious state of affairs is we have been spending too much. And we're way more than we're bringing in. And we know right now, obvious. We have more people on welfare than we have ever had on welfare before. Stephen, what are the implications of that? Well, one of the reasons that you are, you are sometimes feel a pressure not to talk about this is because it's going to be tough to fix these problems, and it's going to be hard for somebody. Oh, aren't we Christian if we have to make people go, you know, have, have to get off welfare? Is that, is that Christian at all? If, isn't the more Christian thing to do to provide them with welfare? You know, I think there's some very good things. I think there's some very needful things that we're providing in our society. But guys, even the inability to talk about our, our problems and, and somebody gets serious about fixing our problems is going to lead us to a place of, of deep heartache. In the case of Social Security with our seniors and with those who are getting ready to be seniors and the place of welfare, we're being evil to the poor if we don't do something about this situation. Uh, another thing, uh, let's state the obvious. The Middle East is in shambles. We know this, right? I mean, the Middle East 
is a cacophony. Uh, it's just a mess. And when I use that word cacophony, that's a lot of different sounds coming from different places. There's a lot of noise happening and not a lot of sense happening that's coming out of the Middle East. And by the way, a concept I had never heard before, this thing called leading from behind is, is not working. And I've never even understood a concept of leading from behind. By the way, I'm your spiritual leader at this church, and I don't lead from behind. I don't understand the concept. How do you lead? How do you, how do you lead from behind? The obvious thing is a leader is leading. And if you're with me right now, if this is the most obvious thing, don't we need our leaders to lead? Don't we need them to step up and lead right now? And by the way, I'm not just talking about political leaders, but that would be nice, right? That would be that'd be starting place. But we so much need, we've been talking about on Wednesday nights, we need the church to be a prophetic voice again for our nation. We need the pulpit to lead. I mean, I remember back, I've read quotes back at the, when, when, when people came to look at America and our founding fathers and, the, and this, this neat revolutionary experiment and America was taking off. I remember one particular quote of a guy who went back to England and he said, the power of America is found not in the capital but in the pulpits. Guys, there is a, there is a need for leadership in America. Would you agree? And, and here's the deal. <laughs> can't we talk about that? I mean, can't we just talk about the fact that we are leadership negative right now? We are, we are in a leadership deficit right now, and the whole world is experiencing it. Are you hearing me? The whole world, whether that's Russia or the Ukraine, if that's China or Japan, or that's the Middle East, which is in a mess, the whole world is suffering from our lack of leadership right now. And we need to talk about it. We need to state the obvious. How about another one? This one is crazy to me because it's so obvious. But is this anti-police thing right now the craziest thing you've ever heard? This thing, this anti-police right now, and that our, that our men and women in blue have to possibly fear for their life because they're being targeted? Guys, that's the, <laughs> that's an, I never would have dreamed. If you said, hey, Stephen, dream of the crazy things we could do. I never would have put that one down on paper. These guys, these men and women in blue are our heroes. They are our protectors. They are putting their life on the line right now. Amen? And, and we are allowing people in Hollywood to stand up and, and, and crucify them. And by the way, don't support their movies if they're speaking murderous threats against our our police officers you know there are some things in our culture now go back why are we talking about this we feel pressure we feel pressure to be silent when we know the truth and we know what's obvious but we're we're afraid we're afraid that we are going to offend someone or rub them the wrong way by the way Maybe you've already heard this scripture, but fear is not of the Lord. He did not give us a spirit of fear, did he? No, he gave us a spirit of love, peace, and a sound mind. A sound mind, and we need to speak the truth that we know. So political correctness, you know, this, this understanding of tolerance, here's what it invites us to do. It invites us to turn a blind eye to the obvious and, and, and right now in our culture, if we were very honest, 
to what is popular. What's, what's the polls say? What's the polls say? That's, where, that's the way we'll go, which is ridiculous. Jesus. Remember what Jesus said? I am the way, the truth, and the life. I've selected three scriptures for you this morning, and each one of them has a different purpose. But hey, if we're going to figure this thing out for who we're supposed to be, and the Bible says, by the way, that we were made in the image of God, we're supposed to be trying to be like Jesus and imitate Jesus. Let's look at some scriptures this morning, and let's see what he did, and let's try to model our lives and our behavior even this week after what he did, okay? So if you have your Bible with me, we're going to put them up on the screen. I want to read three scriptures for you this morning, and some, they're somewhat kind of lengthy, but that's okay. Matthew 12. Matthew 12 is a scripture where Jesus did a miraculous healing. You've probably heard this scripture before, but I want you to listen for Jesus' ability to not succumb to fear, all right? Watch his ability to not succumb to fear that he might offend or rub someone the wrong way. Matthew 12, 9 through 14. Going on from that place, Jesus went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. By the way, where is he? Say that word out loud. Where was he? He was in the synagogue. He was in the Jewish, you know, the place of study, the place of worship. He was in the synagogue. He went to the synagogue, and there was a man with a shriveled hand. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath. (laughs) By the way, I love Jesus because he is going to state the obvious. He looks at them and he says, hey, you ever had a sheep? fall in a pit on the Sabbath? Did you leave him there? I mean, he's going to state the obvious to him. He's not going to bow down. He's not going to back away from him. He said, any of you ever have a, have a sheep and it fall into a pit on the Sabbath? Will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And then he said to the man, <laughs> stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Jesus stated the obvious. There was a man in need of healing in that place, and it was the Sabbath. And in their laws and in their silly rules, we talked about the ACLU, right, and their little politically correct policedom. The Pharisees were kind of like the politically correct police of the day. You better not break our little laws. You better not break our rules. And Jesus looks at him, and they're man with a shriveled hand, and they've got the question right there, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And Jesus, he just calls them on the carpet, guys. So here's what you need to take out of that one. Take out this one. In, in, in our culture, you're going to be faced with silly rules. And, and they might be in your workplace. They might be just in our American you know, uh, in, in our kind of gathered American culture, our little silly rules that, that, that kind of try to keep us all pinned in and boxed in. But we need to state the obvious, and here's the truth of the matter is. Sometimes stating the obvious is going to have a cost to it. All right, did you hear me? I'm going to say that again because you might have missed it. Sometimes, might I use the word, often when we state the truth, there's going to be a cost to it. And the question is, If you're a Christ follower, are you willing to take the cost with the truth? Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath. And the Bible says right out of that, what did they do? (laughs) They they plotted to kill him from that day forth. There was going to be a cost for Jesus. You know, a lot of people think Jesus got put on the cross because of, uh, 
uh, of, of, you know, because he was saying he was Caesar or this and that. Let me tell you, Jesus was a threat to the politically correct of the day. Their power and what they had going on, he was, he was con- it, what he was teaching was contagious. And it was getting in the lives of the people and changing their lives. And they had to put a stop to it. Jesus stated the obvious. And you and I are called to state the obvious. And if you do... Oftentimes, there will be a cost to it. Look at this next scripture, Matthew 23, 25 through 28. Wow. By the way, I just picked a little piece of this chapter. Jesus is the whole chapter. He felt, I felt, he got revved up that day. He was feeling like it was time to tell these Pharisees where they were headed with their little laws. And I just picked out a couple of verses here. Read the whole chapter. He is speaking strongly. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish. Get that metaphor. You wash the outside of the cup. Can you imagine doing that when you're at the sink? You know, you want to wash a a bowl you're about to eat with, and all you did was wash the outside of it. He said, you wash the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Why did I put that scripture in there today? (laughs) You know? We have to pick up the whole Bible. We were talking about this on Wednesday night. We have to pick up the whole Bible and read the whole thing. And you know, some folks, you know, when it comes to Jesus, you might just want to pick out your little favorite places of Jesus, okay? Your, your, little, your little safe places for Jesus, you know? Jesus, Jesus doing the safe thing, you know? Jesus, you know, with the children, or, or Jesus with the loaves and the fish, or, or Jesus walking on water. Maybe those are the big mo- But you know what? If you take the fullness of Jesus... Jesus said some tough things, and there were some moments where Jesus spoke the truth, and the Bible says everybody walked away from him. And he even looked at his disciples and said, you want to go too? Are you heading off too? And they said, no, no, you've got the words of truth, and you is the word of life. Jesus spoke truth. And sometimes that truth was incredibly uncomfortable. But I I put that in there because I wanted to remind you that Jesus was, can I just talk to the men for a minute? Hey, men. Jesus was a man's man. He didn't walk by fear. He was a man's man. There were moments he said things, they tried, to, they tried to grab him on the spot and stone him because he was threatening their very existence. They were afraid of him. Jesus is, listen, one, one time a young preacher came up to Mother Teresa and he said, Mother Teresa, can you give me some piece of advice for my life? True story. She looked at him and she said, young man, preach the Jesus of the Bible, not the Jesus of your imagination." The Jesus of the Bible was a strong man's man. That's why he endured the cross the way he did and gave his life in such a valiant way. He was not a wimp. And oh God, that we would have men of God who have that kind of fortitude and strength and that kind of courage to be able to speak the truth. I I look at Jesus, I put that in your outline today because I want you to realize, listen, Jesus... Jesus was, yes, he was healing. He was doing wonderfully good things. And there were times when Jesus was speaking, I bet his 
his best of friends and his disciples were sitting back there going, whoa, are you serious? Look where you're going. Are you going to say that? Jesus was telling them the truth. And to these Pharisees, he said, you look real good on the outside. You're deaf on the inside. Look at that next scripture with me real quickly. Matthew chapter 21, Jesus entered the temple courts and he drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables and the money changers and the benches of those who were selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Watch this. And the blind and the lame came to him at the very temple he had just cleaned out, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna, that literally means save us, son of David. They were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying, they asked him? Jesus' reply, yes. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants, Lord, you have called forth your praise? If we're going to really understand who Jesus was, listen carefully. Jesus came into a culture that was putting, pushing forth a politically correct agenda. And Jesus was, was forceful at moments, even the cleansing of the very temple, to show them the kingdom of God. And he wouldn't bow down to even their pressure when the children sang, save us. The children recognized he was Savior. One more time, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Just real quickly in that box that I put there in your outline. So what does that mean? What, what, am I, what do I pull away from that? Jesus was not a politically correct person. Jesus was beyond that. <laughs> he was beyond the cultural norms of the day. Jesus had seen eternity. He was beyond that. I, I've said it to you multiple times during this series. Jesus didn't take up a political party. He wasn't, he wasn't pushing for the Jews, and he wasn't pushing for the Romans. Jesus was beyond that. He was beyond that. He wasn't for the Pharisees or the Sadducees. He was beyond that. Jesus was beyond all those political boxes and categories. He was not politically correct. He stated the obvious. He stated the truth, and those in power could not allow that kind of, those kind of comments and that kind of ideology to be espoused because it was getting into the people and it might be infectious. Hey, you got your pen? Truth is dangerous because truth is contagious. Truth is dangerous because truth is contagious. And I don't know if you agree with me, but here's my thought. I'm going to kind of step away from the pulpit, but I, I, I pretty much think what I'm about to say is dead on for us. I don't know about you, this is me. We, America, needs a lot of truth. And we need that truth to start spreading over our country like a contagion so that truth wins the day in America. Guys, we need truth. And we need not be fearful. We need not bow down to that political ideology. That says, oh, don't state the obvious. Don't state what is true. Because that might rub somebody, might offend somebody, might, might make them feel bad. So if you have a view of what you believe is the biblical definition of marriage, 
Why would you ever be afraid of saying that? Isn't it, listen, isn't it intellectually dishonest if you don't say what you think is true? If you have a view of of what you believe about sexuality, isn't that fair for you to be able to say what you believe? If you have a view about the, the, the religion that will save and the only religion that will save, the only one who is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by Him, why would you ever be afraid to say what you believe is true? Because it might offend somebody? I just want to give you freedom today. I want to give you the kind of freedom that SunTrust and Delta won't give you, okay? I want to give you the kind of freedom that, that and my wife's a school teacher. Listen, I know the pressures that you teachers have when you know the truth. And you, are, you have been entrusted the most beautiful lives to shape them, but only so much. You can only shape them so much. Keep that other stuff out of the class. Let me tell you, the division between church and state is going to kill us. There's a reason for it, and we got to get it right. But we better start telling the truth. Uh, here's the question, and it's the title of my series. Is there hope for America? And I've been asking you that question every, every week. And by the way, the answer is going to stay the same. So why, those of you who've been here every week, why don't you go ahead and tell me the answer to the question. What's the answer? Is there hope for America? Yes. Absolutely. There is hope for America. Look at that scripture I gave for you today. Let's talk about hope, all right? The scripture, Jesus was teaching, greatest sermon ever preached on the planet, Matthew chapter 5, Sermon on the Mount. That's my own opinion. I think it's the greatest sermon ever preached. Jesus is teaching, he's teaching, he's teaching, and then one moment, Matthew chapter 5, listen to his words, and I draw hope from this today. He said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt is too afraid to talk, oh, that's not what it says, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You, here's, listen, teaching, master teacher, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, listen church, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let me tell you, I've read that scripture since I was a little boy. You are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. And, and did you know this week, here's the power of the Bible. By the way, here's why every, every day you ought to do this little practice we talk about here at this church. Get you a chair, get you the Bible. Spend 15 minutes with this word, and it can change your life. I've been reading that scripture my whole life. And this week, in my 15 minutes with a chair and the Bible, I was reading that scripture. And all of a sudden, because why? Because the scripture is truth, and there's no depth to it. There's no breadth to it. It can, (laughs) this week God showed me something I'd never seen before. Isn't our God an awesome God? So he said, I just kind of want to tell you that this is my little rhema word that morning in that morning devotional. He said, you're the salt of the earth. Then he said, you're the light of the world. And then I like this part. This is what God showed me. He said, 
He said, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. That word, those words right there, grab me. They put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. I was reading that scripture, and all of a sudden, those words kind of jumped off the page to me. They put it on its stand. And you know what God said to me? In the gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit, God said to me, who do you think put that light on its stand? God started talking to me about you. He started talking to me about you, Harvest Point Church. Listen, He has put you on a stand. Robert, for you, it's AT&T. Nikki, for you, it's Delta. Johnny, for you, State Farm. He's put you on a stand. He didn't hide you under a bowl. He didn't say, hey, conform to what the world wants you to conform to or, or be fearful or don't. He put you on a stand. Why? So you could give light to everyone in the house. That's tough. That's a tough word, ain't it? In our day, it's tough. Hey, here's a little clue. In Jesus' day, it was tough too. And then he says this in the same way. Oh my goodness. Let your light shine. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, this morning as we come to Holy Communion, let me just remind you of a couple of things real quickly. One of the things we do when we come to Holy Communion is we remember that we're sinners, okay? We remember that, hey, this is us. And by the way, if you think you're the, most, you know, you're the most wretched person in the place this morning, you might be the biggest sinner of all. Did you know sitting right next to you is a thief and a robber and a liar and a murderer? That's all of us, okay? That's us together. We're all sinners. We come to this table to be reminded that, that our faith, the reason the Christian faith is different from every other world religion is because grace. Grace is the difference. And you can be forgiven and all washed away because of what Jesus did on Calvary for us by dying for us. And here's the cool part. Watch this now. When I come to Holy Communion, I get the bread and I get the juice. And I have a little moment where Jesus ministers to me. And and I ask him. I confess. I repent. And then I ask him. I say, forgive me once again, God. And here's what I know happens every time. I leave from that table called back to ministry again. See, The people who do the ministry of God are not perfect people. They're just forgiven people. That's just the truth of it. So this morning, when you come to Holy Communion, I hope, I pray, there's going to be a wonderful, sweet, good-natured person behind that table breaking that bread and giving you that cup. But they're not ministering to you this morning. It's Jesus. And I hope you're having a moment with Jesus. And I hope you can do those three things. I hope you can just confess that you're a sinner. I hope that you can say, God, please wash away my sin. And I hope that you will kneel or or bow your heart before God if you can't kneel. And then as you return back to your seat, even as you go, remember, He's called you to ministry. He's put you on a stand. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are His ministers.
Stephen, if we're going to pray for America this morning, how do we pray for America? If you want to receive communion, and you know Harvest Point, we're very free around this place. Some folks will have their families up here, and other folks will just kind of create a little altar themselves. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Would you pray for your stand? Would you pray for your place where God's put you? I mean, while we've been praying for America, we've been talking about, you know, these big macro things we're praying for, but let's get real micro today. Can you pray for the place where you work? Can you pray for your neighborhood that you would shine in that place? Can you pray for your family that stand right there? Some of you guys, y'all need to shine in your family. You need to shine. You're afraid to talk in your own family because of the pressure that might be there. So this morning, as you pray for America, pray for your stand. The little place where your light shines, the stand. And ask God to use you in that place. I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to have a moment of Holy Communion, okay? Bow your heads with me for a moment. Lord, here we are, every one of us. And Lord, we know the biblical call. The biblical call is to speak truth in love. And sometimes that's such a challenge, and sometimes we mess it up. Sometimes we just don't speak the truth because of fear or pressure, or there might be something telling us just to be quiet right now. We might offend somebody. And sometimes, God, we've been guilty that we've erred on the other side. We, we spoke the truth, but we didn't do it in the kind of love we should have. But Lord, I believe you're calling us to the altar this morning to once again be commissioned to go out into the world and speak the truth in love. Oh God, show us how to do that. Because you have called us and you've equipped us. You've given us the truth and we need to not be afraid to state the obvious. Oh God, help us to be your mouthpiece to a world that is broken and hurting and needs healing and hope. And I pray God that you'd meet us in this place this morning and show us how to be your people. I pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, if you're going to be serving Holy Communion this morning, would you come on forward um, and, and gather around the tables that are here?